Hello, and welcome to Sounding Out with Izzy, the podcast where we have conversations with musicians, music producers, publicists, live promoters, zine makers, journalists, and more about their experiences working in the music industry as women, non-binary, and queer people. I'm your host, Isabel Corp the founder of the Queer Femme music-based blog and YouTube channel, A Girl's Two Sound Sense. Well, folks, we have reached the final stretch for season four, and my guest today is, in my humble opinion, one of the most exciting emerging artists in recent years. A few weeks ago, I had the pleasure to sit down with the indie pop powerhouse Jackie Mendoza to discuss her latest album, Galaxia de Emociones, before she jetted off to the annual circus in Austin known as South By. Jackie and I had an interesting conversation about her musical theater background, her time in Brooklyn as a budding musician, the artists who have left the biggest imprint on her as a creative, and how her upbringing as a first-generation queer Mexican-American woman has influenced her art. As usual, I would like to remind listeners that I am paying for the podcast out of pocket, so if you would like to help me continue to create more episodes and maybe buy me a coffee as well, please consider donating to or checking out my Patreon at patreon.com backslash a girl's two sound sense That's girl with three R's and no I. Those who join my Patreon will get to unlock bonus content, including music-based film reviews with special guests, unheard and unedited conversations in podcast episodes, playlists curated by yours truly, as well as early access to some of my YouTube content. However, I understand that finances are tight for many people, So if you are unable to join the Patreon, I fully understand. All I ask is that you give the podcast a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, as that really helps me out in my effort to get the podcast in front of more people. And without further ado, let's get right into this episode. Well, thank you for coming on, for starters. Yeah, thank you for having me. And I guess since this is a new thing that I'm doing that I'll start every episode with for archival purposes, would you like to tell me your name, what time it is, and where you are? Yes, Jackie Mendoza, 4 p.m. Pacific Time, San Diego, California. Very nice. How, how is it over there? Is it is it still warm this time of year? No, it's been chilly. I mean, not chilly compared to New York, but (laughs) it's been pretty cold, like 50s and high 40s at night. But yeah, I'm I'm used to it being just like 65 degrees (laughs) most of the year. So... I guess to start off our conversation, would you like to tell me a little bit about yourself and how you started making music? Mm -hmm. Well, I grew up in Tijuana, Mexico until I was six years old. And then I moved to the U.S. with my family. I grew up in Chula Vista. 
And I was really shy growing up and learning English was really like it that I feel like that had a big part in me becoming more shy and like reserved. And so I was kind of shy growing up. And then when I got a little older, like 12 years old, I started taking singing lessons and it was more so because I needed like like an outlet for expression. And then my singing teacher would have me sing like Broadway musicals. And that's how I started singing. And my dream was like to be on Broadway and to go to New York. And I even went to school for New York or for musical theater the first semester. And I realized that my favorite thing to do was to sing and make songs. And like in high school, I did musical theater and I was in the choir. And then when I moved to New York, I started going to shows in Brooklyn. And that's when I realized I really wanted to make music and be in bands and stuff. And that was the first time I ever would like collaborate and work with other musicians. And I started producing in like 2014, maybe, and would post on SoundCloud. And I would post like covers on YouTube using the ukulele, because that was like a cool thing at the time. <laughs> and then I started producing electronic music and I just blended the two together. And with like my musical theater background, that was also still an influence. And then being in like a dream pop band in the DIY Brooklyn scene was also a big influence for me. So my music is kind of a mix of all of those things. And then being Mexican, I sing in Spanish because I grew up just speaking Spanglish and I still, that's like my language still from day to day life. And so yeah, it's very like autobiographical and just singing about my experiences and yeah. Cool. When you were in this, when you were in New York, was this back in like the 285 Kent days in Brooklyn yeah. or yeah. Uh, when did you leave? I left in 2020. I was there from 2012 until 2020. And what was it about San Diego, would you say, that sort of drew you to space in particular? What to, to what space? Sorry. To San Diego. Oh, so <laughs> I grew up in Chula Vista and in San Diego. And then I went to school in New York and stayed there after. But during the pandemic, I went through a breakup and then I came back to San Diego because everything was locked down. So I was like, okay, I'm just gonna go like, see what my next move is. And I left everything in storage in New York thinking I would go back like after two months or something, once everything was a little more settled down. But I ended up loving it. And I liked being back home with my family and being close to them and with people I knew from high school growing up. And it just felt like I was 
like after New York being my home for so long, it felt like I was really back to my true home. And I met a lot of artists here and started going to shows here too. And it's just cool that it's so close to the border too. So there's a lot of like, it just feels like more like where I came from. Nice. I love how you mentioned that you had a really strong musical theater background, because I feel like that's definitely something that comes to the forefront in your work. And I think that's so refreshing, too, especially like because you combine like all different sort of eclectic backgrounds that you have musically into this one album, which I was a huge fan of, but also... I, I love how you just un, unabashedly embrace the theater kid in you as well. I feel like if that's a background someone had, they might grow up and want to minimize it because of the stigma attached to theater. But I love how you're just how you just embraced it. Yeah. And when I first started playing shows and in, in bands in like Brooklyn, I I kind of wouldn't share that I was a theater nerd and like <laughs> that I first wanted to move to New York to to be in theater but like go like going back to soundtracks I used to listen to I was still inspired by that and the way I sing and the way I like story storytelling through songs is kind of just taking from that musical theater background too and then when I perform live I also just like still have my theater teacher's voice in my head like (laughs) smile so the people in the back can see you and put on blush so the people in the back can see you like that (laughs) yeah paint for the back row exactly Uh uh-huh and when I listened to the album as well, something that another thing that stood out to me is how specific the referential points in your influences are in sound and in visuals. You mentioned that the Mousetrap music video was inspired by like 90s MTV era and also like experimental electronica, indie trap theater, like show tunes, like all of that and sort of melded together. And if you were to make like a referential mixtape, like what would be like the biggest like artists on it that you would have that you feel like really inspire you in the way you make music? Ooh, that's a hard one. It's so hard to choose one because I love a lot of things. I would say right now, I love Lido Pimienta. And I was listening to her a lot when I was writing the album. So, and yeah, but not just her though. I would say she she was a big influence, but there were other things too. (laughs) That's really cool. Stylistically, what's her vibe? It's like Latin electro pop, but she uses a lot of like, she like a lot of real instruments and... Um, it's kind of cumbia-ish sometimes, and but yeah, she's very expressive. That's awesome. I love the Pom Pom Squad shirt, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> I used to see them play a bunch, and when I was living in New York, 
them in, in years though yeah that was that was crazy what happened with their stolen gear and everything recently no and they like recuperated all the funds so fast too with the gofundme yeah good for them yeah yeah that could happen to anyone like touring is so risky it's true. Yeah. Do you, are there any like memorable past tour experiences that you have? Go- I've never had stuff stolen, thankfully, but I was touring in, in Europe and I was doing it by myself. I was opening for El Lado Negro. And so I had to take trains and planes alone, but I had my big jumbo suitcase, my Pelican case, my ukulele, my backpack, and then like a briefcase with my merch and I had to carry it all by myself. And there was one time when I was like running late for a train and I got to the wrong terminal, like carrying all this stuff. And then I had to run like across the train station with all these things. (laughs) I wanted to cry when I, when I sat down, I was like, so like trembling. (laughs) (laughs) <gasps> yeah touring is wild i'm definitely noticing like even the stages like the pre-stages when people everyone's like going nuts about south by right now mm-hmm. and i'm just like oh god are my friends gonna die there and never make it out of austin <laughs> what's gonna happen <laughs> yeah. touring is crazy but yeah. Another thing that I'm really interested in too is how and a person's lived experience can really synthesize can be synthesized and really drive their art. As a first generation Mexican American queer person who was raised Christian, like what what would you say are some of the most prevalent ways that your own realities and lived experiences have cropped up in your art? I guess for so long, I had to suppress like a lot of who I was, like not just my sexuality or, but like my creativity or like interests that I thought were like weird growing up. And because I, I didn't really have like friends in the arts growing up until I got to high school. And when I started writing music, I found that it was like kind of liberating and where I could finally be myself. And since then I, I've made it a point to just like be honest and vulnerable and just do whatever I want. Like, and yeah. It definitely shows through that you're really sort of liberated when you're like in your element on all of your songs and I think like all the coverage you got like on your last EP and especially on this album as well like all everyone who's written about you has noted that and also like um I frijoles in la casa that song goes that I I think that's gonna be my most played song on Spotify this (laughs) month it's so good (laughs) Thank you. But 
I also read that you worked with Rusty Santos on this album, and I was wondering what that experience was like. What, where did you record it, and how was the process? Well, I met him in 2018 when I was I had just finished demos for the Love Hurts EP, and then I was looking for someone to help me mix. And then my manager at the time knew Noah, who is Panda Bear. And he asked him if he knew anyone and and he said, oh, Jackie should work with Rusty. They both have like similar sounds. And so I met Rusty and then we started collaborating and like jamming and making songs from scratch that ended up being on the EP instead of some of the demos I had. And then since then we've been working together and for the album, I was just recording stuff in my house, in my apartment at the time and just making demos and knowing that I would meet up with Rusty to like help me perfect them and mix them. But then the pandemic happened. So I waited a while to see him. So he would send me like beats he was making and I would put ukuleles on top of them or, or synths and stuff. That's kind of what happened with I Frijoles and La Casa. It was just like a kind of a basic beat. And then I added ukuleles and synths and the vocals. And then I would just send him stems. And we would we were just sending stems to each other until we had a complete album. And was I assume that was kind of an anomaly since we we're all going through the a whole crazy pandemic and quarantine that none of us had ever experienced in our lifetime. So I assume it was yeah. odd, but it definitely like the finished product turned out incredibly. So yeah. Yeah, at the time everything was just so online, like even the making making music, shows were online, like streaming. <laughs> so I was very like submersed in that, just doing everything online through email and just that's kind of how it formed. Another thing that I really love too, I read that two references you pulled for the Mousetrap video were Alanis Morissette screaming in the desert. (laughs) (laughs) And Slash's guitar, the overhead shot of Slash in November Rain. I was, how how did you even like think of that? Like, oh, this has to be like 90s and these specific two references. So I, Mousetrap is like a breakup song. So I knew I wanted to like kind of reference to famous breakup songs, but I didn't want to reference else aside from like the Alanis Morissette because that's like the most iconic breakup song to me and I took inspiration from that video and like the angst and and then my friend Artie who shot the video had the idea to do that November rain scene with like drones flying and (laughs) me playing bass in the desert and then okay so originally i wanted real rats to be in the video oh wow and i wanted to build like a maze and have rats going through the maze and but 
all the friends I asked if I could borrow their like pet rats for the video said no. <laughs> and uh, understandably. And so I had to think of a plan B. And then my partner, Laura, thought, oh, well, you should have some animations in there. And her friend, Karina Cervantes, who lives in Mexico City, is like an amazing animator. And she animated all those rat scenes. And it all came together like that. That's, that's one thing I learned on this album is like collaboration is key because in Love Hurts, I was more like, no, I need to do it all myself. And then I realized my mixing wasn't the best. I couldn't master. And so <laughs> I reached out to Rusty. And then from there, I just like, now I'm super open to collaborating and it makes everything way better. Yeah, that's really awesome. You mentioned that you started producing in 2014. Were you self-taught? So mostly YouTube videos. And then I took a, an Ableton 101 course at this school that doesn't exist anymore. It's called Dubspot. And it was like, yeah, a little school for production. It, and I think it closed down. I went there for like an Ableton 101 and that kind of helped me get started. And then from there, it was just like YouTube and asking friends for help and stuff. My OCD definitely comes in handy when I produce. And just, I love that there aren't really rules and you can just, just keep adding sounds and I guess I was never like trained in with music and I don't know music theory. So it's mostly by intuition and what just seeing what sounds best to me. I was just, I, I, I thought it was boring when I was growing up yeah. and anytime I would try to learn, I was just like, no. This is like math to me. And <laughs> so, but I can see that for sure. Yeah. And even just like aside from that, like people have been like, make, there was, I, I, I doubt people were referring to, <laughs> to like the harmonic theory of our classical <laughs> composer reign supreme, like back in the stone age, like, no, they weren't doing <laughs> that, but they were still like making music. They were like, banging on like the on rocks and like uh, sticks and shit and <laughs> making noise so that's still music like you know yeah yeah, yeah I see music because it can either be like so like strict and you have to follow these rules or it can just be like art where like art is just expressive and it can be free so I guess it, it depends on how you look at it. Right. Yeah. And are, how do you feel, I guess, about the current state of the industry right now with regards to how it treats women and queer people? The industry. Well, it's always been like, like upholding just like the white male, you know, and it's still, I still see that being prevalent. 
and with like queer people it's kind of I guess tokenized a little bit and but yeah even in like small music scenes you just see like just bills full of just like all like male white boys like and it's kind of hard to create space for like queer people of color and you kind of have to like shove your way in there and you have to like kind of stand up for people too um and yeah speak up that like i don't know there's like i don't know they just take up a lot of space (laughs) in the music industry yeah and what's really insane as well is often they don't even realize that the space that they're occupying is Mm -hmm. not is not like normal for everyone else they just they're they're just used to it they just assume like oh this is what I'm entitled I'm entitled to because that's how it's always been so like Yeah. yeah it's and they sometimes they don't even like realize that like I remember when I was talking to a friend of mine. She went to see a local band and afterwards they chatted. She chatted with the lead singer and he was like, can we get like really real about the scene? And she was like, "You, you okay, you want to get real? <laughs> need to put more women, more non-binary, more marginalized people, more people of color on the shows you're booking. Add yeah. more, be more inclusive mm-hmm. and, and add more non-men and non-white people to your bills and that really caught him off guard because like she was like well you wanted to get real about the scene didn't you and he was like yeah but not about me (laughs) (laughs) yeah I agree with your friend totally (laughs) yeah it's it's really crazy but like yeah uh, how like yeah, like I sometimes I wonder if it's a waste of time to be like, oh, do they know and they just don't care, or do, are they genuinely just not clued in whatsoever because they're so blinded by their own experience, you know? Yeah, yeah, I agree. And like, there even like with like female and queer producers, there's like none in even when because I just started playing with a full band it's so hard to find female musicians and like producers. And I think it's because it's hard to like step into the music space because it's all dominated by males and white males specifically. And yeah, it's like even hard to get started. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is I read a study recently that showed stats that more women than ever are buying guitars but they're all doing them online because the fear factor of walking into a guitar center is like don't even get me started yeah prepare to get mansplained on every detail of playing guitar yeah and mansplained about mansplaining yeah like even in Like, since I started playing music and shows, I kind of had just, like, it was all male people that would, like, teach me things and, like, 
the I the first time I started like started performing it was with an all-male band and they were searching for a female singer and so and then I was looking for a female producer but I could only find a male producer and it's still the case after all these years it's like it's hard to build a team of like more queer female because um, it's not really that present in the music industry it's like mostly males yeah and that's like a big part of why like you know whenever I feature artists like I'm like y'all are platformed everywhere else all of the time 99% of the time you don't need me to like (laughs) to give you a platform you know (laughs) yeah and also, like, what what were some other highlights of all the work you put into this album that you're really stoked on? It's cool to see it all completed and out in the world because it took a while, like, end of 2019. And I'm excited to work on the next music and seeing how I can make it different from this release because this release was very like galaxy and like that was that was kind of the theme of the album so it's fun to kind of brainstorm and think of what the next project is going to look like and yeah i'm excited to play shows too and to tour and to play in mexico too i grew up in like Tijuana, I'm playing there in April. Have you booked at any venues that you've played at before? I'm playing at Elsewhere in May, Zone One. Yeah. <laughs> and Elsewhere's I, the best. I love that venue. Yeah, it's amazing. Their whole team is incredible too. I used to intern there. It's, oh, yeah. Elsewhere's the best. You know, Mo. I do, yeah. Mo directly managed me. Oh, cool. Yeah. His dog, Maurice, is adorable. Oh, I've um, only seen pictures. Yeah, the whole, everyone at Elsewhere is awesome. But yeah, that's going to be fun. I might have to pop by that. Is that in April or? I think it's May 7th. May 7th. Cool. And I understand you're also heading to South by what cases and things have you got on the docket there? I'm doing, my label is doing a showcase, CZK Records. So I'm playing that, which is wild because I'm the only American artist on there. Everyone else is flying in from Mexico or Colombia, Argentina. So that's going to be really cool. And then just secretly distribution is doing a showcase. I'm playing that, and I think that's it. It must be really interesting to, like, I guess, uh, have you been before? Yes. Yeah. Like, once, like, once a year, like, it feels like everybody, like, sort of flocks to their own island in Austin. Mm -hmm. and (laughs) Yeah. Like, creative like synergy and stuff like that which is cool the capitalistic part like I'm not so much a fan of but like the the culture like I I, I've never been to South by but it's on my bucket list for sure 
Yeah, it's it's worth checking out at least once just to see that you're not missing out on much. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> and what else do you have on the books that you're really excited about? Anything else you would like to shamelessly plug before I let you go? Oh, I'm excited. I'm doing an audio tree session and that's been like on, on my list for a while. I want to do more live sessions like that. But uh, that's in May. I'm also, I'm opening for this guy, Reggie Watts, April 1st. I didn't know who he was before I got asked to play, but now I'm excited that that's happening. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. Reggie's great. And Audio Tree also great. But yeah, that, that's funny you saying you didn't know who he was before you booked the, the show. That reminded me of something hilarious that recently happened. A really funny exchange I had recently. Uh, I was talking to Marissa from Screaming Females and oh, cool. um, we were talking about uh, problematic musicians. And I made a joke that the 1975 sounds so much better when you stop look at why Maddie Healy's trending on Twitter. Oh gosh, yeah, and- I, I saw that the other day. And she, and she said, I don't know what the 1975 is. And she was genuinely serious. And I was like, okay, well, you are now my favorite person because you just that. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But also, who are some people, who are some artists that you are really loving right now, like some current artists that you've been like listening to heavily? I love Kelly Lee Owens and everything she puts out always. A techno producer called Machine Woman is also awesome. Let's see, I've been listening to Thievery Corporation these days. And all the new Everything But The Girl stuff. Have you heard it? They have new stuff? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I have not heard it. Now I have to. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And other random things that pop up. But <laughs> nice. I heard Agar Agar, the dance duo, the other day. Huh. They have like millions of streams, and so I was surprised I hadn't heard of them. I think they're French. Agar, agar. Okay, I'm gonna look that up. Super catchy, like synth wavy dance pop. It's oh, nice, really cool. I think they. I think they just put out an album, and the song "The Visit" on it, not to be confused with the horror movie, (laughs) is really great. But Yeah. Thank you once again for joining me. I thoroughly enjoyed chatting and can't wait to see the rollout of that audio tree session. Yeah. (laughs) I'm excited for that too. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I liked your questions. This was fun. Thank you so much for listening to Sounding Out with Izzy, and thank you again to Jackie Mendoza for coming on as my guest this week. Galaxia de Emociones is now available on all DSPs. Remember to subscribe and sign up for the mailing list on my YouTube channel and written blog, both under the name A Girl's Two Sound Sense. Give the podcast a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. 
And if you're interested, consider donating to my Patreon at patreon.com backslash a girl's two sound sense. That's girl with three R's and no I. Thank you so much for listening, and I will catch you in the next episode of Sounding Out with Izzy.